0: The for the win! Good! Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. Remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked You can listen to us on a regular basis. Make sure you're listening to Amy Aldebert and Gabe Ibrahim and the great Eric Ayala. On a regular basis, you're getting a chance to hear women's basketball analysis from some of the best in the business. And so I'm coming to you here on this Friday, January 8th, and we've got a few things that we've got to talk about. Uh, I'm going to share a conversation with Gina Oriema, head coach of University of Connecticut. It's funny to me that we'd be identifying him to the people who listen to this podcast, but there we are and so we're going to get into that a little bit but first let's talk about the fact that this is brought to you by and if you're ready brought to you by bet.ag and so they have a special available to you right now and if you go to betonline.ag sign up for a free account and use the promotion code locked on all one word l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n you're gonna get a welcome 50 percent bonus uh there's a lot of nfl games coming up as i understand it and certainly we are talking to them about getting some women's sports betting available as well so i'll keep you posted obviously on that go ahead to betonline.ag promo code locked on for your 50 percent welcome bonus But the place we're going to have to start, must start, before we get into some of the frustrations, some of the limitations of the 2020-2021 college basketball season, is the Atlanta Dream. The Atlanta Dream managed, and when I say the Dream, we should specify, the players for the Atlanta Dream in conjunction with the WNBPA helped flip a Senate seat. And those of you who have listened this week have heard all of us talk about it, but you cannot possibly overstate what a big deal that was. You know, for the duration of the WNBA's history, the players have had a relatively small amount of power relative to ownership, relative to the league's consistent concerns over basic survival. And that has begun to change over the last few years. And when you go back to the CBA that was signed last year, makes a difference. I was talking to a general manager just this week about it, that player movement has never been easier. And so it allows GMs to rebuild teams faster. But what does that really mean? That means there's player movement. There's more player freedom to be able to go where those players wish to play. And so that matters. And so within that context, even so, players who were employed by Kelly Loeffler on the Atlanta Dream, and Loeffler was not an active member of ownership, whatever that meant, according to the WNBA, but Loeffler was responsible for those checks going out. And these players actively and successfully organized against her And got Raphael Warnock, who was, let's not forget, at 9% in the polls. He was trailing Matt Lieberman, whose centrist, timid campaign, very in keeping with the way his father operated in Connecticut, former Senator Joseph Lieberman. He was trailing Matt Lieberman, let alone Collins and Loeffler in a jungle primary that he ended up winning, one of the two spots, but clearly was in second place going into the runoff and then overtook her and did it through good old-fashioned organizing. And obviously it's too simplistic to say that the WNBA players are the reason he won or didn't win. But if you don't think that made a difference, if you don't think that put wind in his sails, if you don't think that mattered in an election, that was very close, a point difference and you're missing the point here and so these players were extremely brave in what they did and so the WNBA faces a choice and I wrote a little bit about this over at the Nine newsletter this week which you should check out if you get a chance Uh, the reality is that this was the country's problem Kelly Loeffler was the country's problem well now she's not the country's problem she's not a senator anymore right She is still the WNBA's problem. And so the league needs to take whatever steps are necessary in order to make sure that she's not the problem anymore. And I say this, just imagine. Just imagine you're Nikki Collin, you're Chris Sienko. You've built a really interesting young Atlanta team. Kennedy Carter, who helped organize, by the way. You know, Ben Isolany, a find. Now is hidden free agency. How do you convince those players to stick around, let alone add the necessary pieces to win in 2021? They've held down the fort for over a year, put in an impossible situation. These players should not have had to organize against a white supremacist who happened to own the team that employed them. But they did. They did it successfully. They did it with grace. They did it with eloquence. They represented the lead in a way that did credit to the WNBA. They did it in such a way that we will talk about for decades. You know, as I wrote about this, Brandon Stewart's 2020 was a very big deal on the court. And Brandon Stewart organized too. Let's not lose sight of that. She was a contributor in all of the T-Ways that we will remember 2020 for the WNBA. But the players of the Atlanta dream to do what they did for the people signing their paychecks in a league that has somewhere around 140 jobs, give or take a few teams playing with 11 as opposed to 12. And it's not even 144. Not in this era where a lot of players are getting the max salary and the salary cap didn't go up as quickly as the max salaries did. So they took on an incredible risk to their professional lives. And they helped change the country. And so the WNBA has to do right by them. Before we get into Gino, I just want to give it a little bit of context. So the great Eric Ayala covers the Big East for me over at The Next. And Spencer Nussbaum, terrific young writer. Covers the Big 12. Well, we got Baylor UConn coming up Thursday night. I a normal season. What are you doing? <clears throat> You're making sure you've got preview coverage from both sides. Let's hear from Gino. Let's hear from Tim Mulkey, two of the giants in the sport. It's beyond high alert. Whoever wins that game, we're gonna want to hear what went right for Yukon or for Baylor. What went wrong for the opponent, the team that lost? We want preview. We want takeaway. We want color from it. In a normal year, I'd probably have somebody at the game covering it. Well, and this may be news to you, this has not been a normal year. And so in the back of my mind, it was all of this planning, and we've done this so many times, all of this planning for a game that might not happen. Odds are against it happening, it seems. Well, it didn't happen. Kim multi tested positive. Whether you think she was taking the appropriate precautions or not, when we know from her own public statements, she went to visit her family at Christmas. As Gino said in his answer to me, you know, only these individuals know how much risk they're taking. I can tell you that I have been very fortunate. My work has allowed me to stay remote since this began last March. And whatever frustrations I feel about that, the limitations on it, the fact that I have not felt the rush I feel of being courtside to go cover a game since last February, not since Stella Johnson and Ryder last February for a piece I was writing for 538, have I had the privilege of covering a game in person. I covered the WNBA last year and I did it by Zoom and that's how I'm covering women's college basketball to this day. And what I'll do until the vaccine is widely taken and accessible. But that is a privilege. There are people who are being risky. I'm not talking about that. There are people who for their economic livelihood, need to make these choices every single day. It gets more complicated when we're talking about student athletes though, doesn't it? They're not making a penny. Paige Beckers doesn't make a dime for all of her greatness this year. And so the determination as to whether this season should be happening or not It's an active question in my mind. I am not, as my great colleague Erica Ayala is, willing to say we must shut it down today. I think there are numerous qualifying factors. There is a real effort and real energy on safety in many corners, not in all, not in all, but in many corners and so when we think about what the season is I'll bring it back to myself despite the fact that I continue to make a living doing what I've always done and am able to do it remotely I, I have real withdrawal I I was writing a story about freshmen this week and we'll talk more about the freshmen next week there's Caitlin Clark is the truth and Paige Beckers is otherworldly and there are a handful of others who are worthy of our time and attention but I'm just looking at the numbers for Diamond Johnson Philly's own Diamond Johnson playing at Rutgers playing for Vivian Stringer that's 45 minutes down the road for me I could drive to the Rutgers Athletic Center and I could watch in her 50th year Vivian Stringer coaching and that 55 defense that is so much fun to see in person. And Arella Durantes, who's gonna be a first round pick in the WNBA Draft this year. And Diamond Johnson, one of the real talents. I haven't gotten to see her live yet. That's crazy. If you know me at all, that we're into January and there's a Rutgers player at this level. I haven't gotten a live look yet boggles the mind and so I feel massive withdrawal from that. I don't regret the decision but I feel massive withdrawal from that. Well now put yourself in the shoes of a player who has done nothing but prepare for this for her entire life. There are safety precautions in place. There are different ways that she is working to maintain her safety Well, getting the opportunity to go out and play on the court. Are you gonna tell me that that person is making the right choice or the wrong choice? You really gonna be in a position to say that one way or the other? It's not for me to say, not for me to say. I just know that there are thousands of young women in this sport who are doing all they can to play and play safely. And honor the sport that they are committed to for their entire lives. And the same is cases with hundreds of coaches across the country. Gino Orem is doing everything he can to keep himself safe, to keep his family safe, and to keep his UConn team safe. And even still, there was a positive in the UConn program. And they had a pause back in November. So you'll hear him talk about it. But the reality is you say, all right, well, can you do this safely? Erica talked about a bubble. I don't think that's a ridiculous idea at all. If we come this far, if you are looking to make this as safe as possible, the WNBA is a clear indication of how to do that best. That's what I think you do. But it is a real challenge Baylor versus UConn didn't happen. It's probably not going to happen. Three top ten games UConn scheduled this year. Positive test on the other side didn't happen. No Baylor-UConn this year, at least not until the NCAA tournament, which we got an announcement on the men's side. If I understand Title IX correctly, we ought to have an announcement on the women's side right away pretty soon. If not, some real questions to answer, NCAA. So take a listen, hear what Gino had to say. just wanted to take a little more of an opportunity than I usually do to talk to you all about what is, I think, a consequential week for women's basketball and for America. I'm Howard McDowell. This is Locked on Women's Basketball. All
1: right, uh, let's go ahead and start. Howard, do you want to start?
0: Sure thing, Gino. Uh, Happy New Year to you. I'm um, yeah. just wondering, you know, you have talked at, at length, and you and you've done so many things to take precautions, to go that extra mile. I, I just I wonder when you look around the college landscape, if and when you see other um, figures in the game not doing the same thing, how you respond to it. What is there a level of frustration? You know, uh, feeling like maybe not everyone is pulling as hard as as you are in terms of trying to get
1: this season done. Well, yeah, I just had this discussion with somebody uh, both yesterday and today, appropriately. Um, we thought we were doing everything right. And in November, right before Thanksgiving, we had to put a stop on what we were doing. And we thought we were doing everything right. And uh, fast forward now. It's coming after Christmas, obviously. And a lot of people sent their teams home for Christmas. And... Some of those teams have had no problems. Some of those teams have had to pause. So you could jump in and say, well, you know what? They're not doing their part. But some of the people that stayed home, I mean, stayed on campus and didn't go home, have had the shutdown. And some of the teams that went home are still playing. It's frustrating for all of us in so many ways. Uh, because the minute you start to think, no, what's wrong with these people? That could be you tomorrow making a phone call to another school saying, hey, look, we can't come. So as much as we all like to think all of us are doing what's best, in this particular case, there's no there's no guarantee. There really isn't. You All you can do is the best you can do and keep your fingers crossed. But... Um, it's it's just so it's just it's it's unfortunate and, and I don't even want to I don't even want to go beyond that and you know talk about all the disruptions and all the all the disappointments that kids have faced and everybody's faced I mean um we knew when we decided to play that we were going to be in for a roller coaster ride, unlike any we've ever been on. And uh, you know, if you're out there blatantly abusing the the protocol system, that's on you. Only you know that. If if it's just one of those things that no one can quite figure out how and why and where, it's just part of the deal, Howard. That's all I can tell you. Thanks, Jim.